Very thankful for the opportunity that we all have to worship and study God's Word this morning. I certainly appreciate the song service, appreciate the prayer, appreciate the prayer on my behalf. My prayer is, is that I can bring words from God's Word that will benefit each and every one of us. Our title this morning is Somebody That We Know Pretty Well. Sometimes we don't like the title. Sometimes we don't like self. We need to be in control of self. We've had good lessons from our pulpit here. I'm inspired. And I want to talk about two of those. Two weeks ago, Brother Trevor Teal talked about joy, godly joy. And one of his points was is that if we let self take control, it destroys godly joy. He mentioned that pride and selfish attitudes kill joy. A week ago, Brother David Pinkerton brought a very good lesson on Solomon and brought out the point that Solomon had great wisdom. But in Ecclesiastes 2, verse number 10, Solomon said that there was a period in his life that whatever his eyes sought to do, he did that. And in verse 11... This is what he said the result was. I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. And so if you and I are serving self, it's vanity, vexation, and no profit. On, on Sunday nights, we've been studying the book of Acts. And the last few uh, chapters that we've studied deal with the Apostle Paul. What a good example of Christian attributes. And in an introduction, I want to talk about Paul's attitude in Romans 7. I love Romans 7 and 8. This is verse 22 of Romans 7. He said, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So the Apostle Paul admitted openly that he was his own worst enemy and that he had to battle self each and every day in order to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And so about us, the world serves self. And so let's don't be sucked into that. Humanism is a 
term that came to light maybe 20 years ago, and that is that man just worships himself and serves himself. Let's not be a part of that. Look with me to Proverbs 14 and verse number 12. Look at the wisdom here. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so what self wants is not where I need to put my attention. We need to be students of the Bible. We need to be servants of Jesus Christ and follow that because Satan wants us to fail and Satan will have us serving self. And so we're going to talk about two aspects of self, the first being pride, and then we're going to nail selfishness. And so look with me to pride. These are very important words. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. They do not exist together. If we have a love for the world, God is pushed totally out. And notice that he says, for all that is in the world, number one, the lust of the flesh, number two, the lust of the eyes, number three, pride of life, are not of the Father, but of the world. It's very plain when we look at the Bible that these are the three main avenues that Satan loves to tempt us with. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I'd like for us to look at a Bible examples of those that fell victim to self and these three avenues that Satan tempts us with. Remember that in the Garden of Eden, that God had said to Adam and Eve to dress and keep the garden and don't partake of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What did Satan do? He immediately went to Eve and said, that's not the way it is. And he appealed to her, and we see that here in, in Genesis 3 and verse 6. And so Eve saw that the tree was good for food. There's the lust of the flesh. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. There's the lust of the eyes. Not only was it good for two things, it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. That's the pride of life. And because she was sucked into that, Eve took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And so Eve, doing what self directed her to do, then centered, sin entered into the world and changed, changed the world forever. They were run, pushed out of that Garden of Eden. There are other Old Testament examples of pride. The nation of Edom is talked about in Obadiah 1 verse 3. The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. So pride lives within us, lives in our heart. You dwell in the clefts of the rock. Your house, your home, your habitation is high. And you've said in your heart, deceived yourself, 
who shall bring me down to the ground? And so they were destroyed, but in their hearts, they thought they were invincible. Nobody could reach them. And so pride deceived Edom. Then we move to another example found in Matthew 18, 1 through 4. The disciples of Christ displayed a self, a pride problem. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Why would they ask that? They had pride in their heart. Who's the greatest? Am I the greatest? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and he said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted... Number one, you've got to be converted. I don't think they were totally converted. And become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility drives out pride. And so we must cleanse our hearts with humility and drive out pride. Revelations 3 verses 15 through 17. This is the church at Laodicea. And so Jesus says concerning the Laodicean church, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And so this congregation thought that all was well because they were self-sufficient. I am glad that our congregation is healthy and I'm glad that we don't have great problems. We have great leadership. We have great deacons that scoop the snow off of our sidewalks this morning and take care of our every need. We have things very good, but so did Laodicea. We need to realize that we're not perfect. We got to keep working at it. We got to keep struggling. We've got to keep self from taking over our congregation. If it does, and we have this attitude that we don't need to make improvements and changes according to the Word of God, then we are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And so let's take notice of the examples that we're giving here. We have the Pharisee in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. And, of course, this is where uh, Jesus Christ defines the word hypocrite. And this is a parable that Jesus spake unto certain which trusted in themselves. They thought self was really important. They trusted in themselves thinking that they were righteous and despised others. You know, there's no greater 
detriment to spreading the gospel than for us to be swelled up because we're Christians and despise others because they're not. We need to lower ourselves and be humble like Jesus Christ and take that attitude with us as we want to take Christ to others. And this is the parable. So two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Remember that a publican was looked down upon by all in society. He was at the bottom of the heap. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Now let's notice how proud he was of himself. He said, I thank thee, God, that I am not as other men are. That's two eyes. He says, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. He looked down upon that publican just because he was a publican. But the publican, and of course, uh, I'm messing that up. The Pharisee said that I fast twice in the week. I give thanks of all that I possess. He was really full of I. But the publican would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Notice the words of Jesus. He said, thank you. He said, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified. The publican went to his house justified rather than the Pharisee, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. To be abased, it means lowered. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And so let's not exalt ourselves or be puffed up. Let's move now to Luke 6, verses 41 and 42. Jesus said, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? Now let's define this. A mote is a speck. The beam is a big piece of lumber. And so he makes a comparison here saying that the person with this big beam looks at the speck because, and he can't even see that. So, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. What a great definition of a hypocrite. He says, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. And so pride causes us to look at other people. We can't even see our own problems. We look and we want to uh, draw attention to others. And let's not do that. Let's look at our own faults and not the fault of others. Now let's go from these definition and examples of pride to some aspects of pride. And, and we've mentioned that pride is one of the major problems of our world. You can't read long in the Bible until 
you see that it teaches against some nature of pride. Mark 7, verses 20 through 23. And Jesus said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. You know, those religious leaders that were trying to trap him were talking about how they were doing things on the Sabbath and taking things into their body that were prohibited by the Mosaic law. And Jesus says that's not the focus. The focus is what comes out. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. We must not be defiled. If we're full of pride, it's as bad as being given to adultery, fornication, and murder. It's all in the same list, and it all will defile us if we give in to that. 1 Timothy 6, verse number 4, this is talking about false teachers. This false teacher is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about question and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. And so as religious teachers, as followers of the gospel, we don't need to be proud because that destroys our validity. Romans 12 and verse number 16, be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend, lower yourself, try to have an understanding of those that are of lower estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Don't exaggerate how much you're really worth to the Lord of heaven. Don't exaggerate your opinions of yourself. I go down to Proverbs 21 and verse number four. A high look and a proud heart and the plying of the wicked is sin. Bottom line, pride, a proud heart is sin. Galatians 6 and verse three. For if a man thinketh himself to be something when, he's, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Satan is trying to deceive us. And if we allow that, then we are deceived ourselves. We're cheating ourselves. James 4 and verse number 6. God giveth more grace. Grace means favor. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. If we fail to realize that we need the grace of God, then pride will take us and we will be resisted and we will not receive God's favor. Let it be known that pride is deadly. Proverbs 16, verses 18 through 19, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. And so pride is deadly. There is a cure for pride. 
Don't put up with pride. Do away, get pride out of self. Proverbs 18 and verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. A froward mouth is contrary, causing trouble. And so let's fear the Lord and abide by the ways of the Lord. Let's move from pride and now focus on selfishness, which that just means you love self, as is, is stated here in 2 Timothy 3, verse 2 through 4. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. That's pretty true today. And because they're lovers of their own selves, then they are greedy, they're covetous, they're boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Man has a human nature, and it causes him to think highly of himself. And are we greedy? Do we boast about what we have or what we can do? Are we proud of what we represent? Do we talk against God as a blasphemer? Children, do we not honor our parents? Are we disobedient to parents because Pride enters a child and they are disobedient to parents. To be unthankful means you don't appreciate what God has given you. Unholy means that you don't act in a godly way. Without natural affection encompasses a very large group. Whether it's homosexuality, that you're not naturally affectionate in that aspect, or whether you're a, a mom or a dad, and you don't have affection and a desire to bring your kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'd say that is without the affection that is governed and given to us by the Bible. Truce breakers, are you a traitor? False accusers, do you gossip? A gossiper is a false accuser because gossip doesn't deal with the truth. Incontinent is a description of you can't control yourself. Am I incontinent when I go out into the world? Can I control? Can I keep all of aspects of my life within the godly guidelines? Fierce means to be angry, overly bold, despisers of those that are good. Those that are involved in evil have a tendency to despise those that are good. If you despise the good, you're evil. And it is trouble for those that are good when they are despised. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Our society is driven by entertainment. And I am the first to say that all of the aspects that we're discussing that are wholesome and aspect of entertainment is Entertainment is not wrong. It's wrong when it is elevated more than God. 
lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We must love God first. Covetousness means greed. Jesus says unto this group, take heed and beware of greediness, covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And so we have possessions, but let's don't push it to the abundance level that pushes God aside. And Jesus speaks a parable unto them saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. Now this man was a farmer, but I'm going to take farmer out of it because that's what I am. And this guy had the wrong attitude. So I'm not going to call him a farmer. I'm going to call him a rich man. And so it brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? There's the first eye. Because I, number two, have no room where to bestow my fruits. Number three. And he said, this will I do. Number four, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat drink, and be merry. Boy, he had it good. But God said unto this rich man, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. There was an occasion that I fell into this rich man category just to a small degree. So 1993 and 1994, Mark, Hugh, myself made bumper crops. And at the beginning of 1995, I had never seen or been benefited to that extent in all of our farming days. And I made the expression to my wife that I didn't think we were going to ever see another poor day. Guess what? There was a September freeze in 1995, and we were poor. We were poor. Things changed from good to bad in three or four months. And so I kind of felt like that foolish, kind of about like that uh, rich man. Let me catch up with my notes. And so man has the tendency to think he is in control when things are going good. And so we talked about, we're talking about covetousness. There's a Bible example of that. Judas Iscariot is a study that I don't care for, but I try to figure him out because I don't want to end up like Judas. And so let's think about Judas. He's an example of covetousness. He's, a cov he's an example of self and pride blinding him. You know, there's very many things that selfishness does to us. It causes us to abuse liquor and drugs. Sometimes we embrace 
pornography and other things that are direct conflict of God's Word. But self wants that. And I'm going to say to you that it's my opinion that Judas Iscariot gave in to self. Now let's think here in John 12, verses 3 through 6. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. All is good until one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot by name, who was Simon's son, which should betray Jesus, said, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? On the surface, Judas appeared to be noble. He appeared to be godly. But guess what Jesus realized because he knows our hearts knew uh, Judas's heart. Judas said that not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the bag and bare what was put therein. So we're told here plainly that Judas Iscariot was a thief. He was greedy. And so then, let's go to our next scripture, which is after Jesus was betrayed by Jesus. Then Judas, which had betrayed Jesus when he saw that he was condemned. And it's only my opinion that it's possible that Judas's greed, selfishness blinded him to the point that he considered that Jesus could get away from anybody. He had done that. He had escaped being captured before. But on this occasion, that did not happen. And he saw that Jesus was fixing to be crucified, that he was condemned. He repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. He did the correct thing. I mean, he had done something terrible and he tried to fix it. And he took the money and he said, I've sinned. I've betrayed innocent blood. I need to turn this around. But the chief priests and elders said, what is that to us? They had what they wanted and they weren't going to change anything. And so those 30 pieces of silver that I think Judas coveted, all of a sudden they didn't mean much to him. He obviously really was covetous to those 30 pieces of silver, but they didn't mean anything now. And so he cast him down on the floor of the temple, departed and went out and hanged himself. And so the end of Judas is very sad because he let selfishness and all of its nature take control of him, and I'm going to say that it controlled him to the very bitter end. And so he was blinded, and that's where we will go with our lesson in Revelations 3 and verse 17. This is the end of that writing about the church at Laodicea. We've already talked, but let's go over this. I am rich. I'm increased with goods and I have need of nothing. Knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. 
serving self will blind us to the point that we embrace destruction. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, serving self, which is selfishness kills, trust in God. The Apostle Paul tells the evangelist Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We need sound doctrine. Every one of us needs nothing but sound doctrine. And what they did is they went after their own lust. They were serving self. And they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They wanted to hear. They wanted sermons along the guidelines that they wanted. They didn't care what God wanted. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Fables are falsehoods. Fables will send us to the devil's hell, and we need to certainly avoid that. Let's talk about cures for selfishness. It's all right here, and I can't, I don't, we don't have the time to study all the cures, but hopefully we'll get some of the main ones out. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Charity is an expanded word for love. And so charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself and it's not puffed up. This is the opposite of selfishness. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Seeking your own is selfish is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. And so let's use the love of Jesus Christ in God, bring that into our lives to push out selfishness. Luke 9 and verse number 23, And Jesus said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. That's the opposite of selfish and take up his cross daily and follow me. And again, we can't carry the baggage of self and properly carry the cross of Jesus Christ with us. We cannot properly follow Jesus Christ carrying the baggage of selfishness. Joshua 24, verses 14 and through 15. <clears throat> Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And it, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so this morning... Let's determine not to serve self, and let's serve the God of heaven. Are we going to test issues in our life? And are we going to regulate our lives by the Holy Word? Are we going to let self do that? Thank you for your kind attention. I pray that the thoughts that we've had this morning are a benefit to each and every one of us. We offer the invitation of the Lord at this time. If you're present and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, 
if you're willing to repent of past sins, if you will confess the name of Jesus before men and be baptized for the remission of sins, then we would invite you to do so. If the prayers of the church would be something that we could benefit you with, if you have any needs, come forward, or, or if you're on Zoom, be sure and let the elders know that you have needs. If you're subject to the gospel call, please come forward as we stand and sing.